Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Too, amen. And so when anybody's ever saying anything, we, they can hear that on the live feed. So be attentive and respectful to the words of God, please. Amen? amen? Thank you. And we don't want anybody to get distracted. All right, verse 12. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Wow. God blesses those who patiently endure Testing and temptation. Boy, we get tested and tempted a lot, don't we? But the Bible tells us to patiently endure that. Amen? And he blesses us if we are. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. What is it? When you, when you endure that, it brings life to you, not death. Can I get an amen for that? It brings life when we do things God's way. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Just so you know where temptation comes from. Temptation comes from your own desires, our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. Now, a lot of times people say it's the devil, right? Temptations come from our own desires. All right, the devil might send temptations, but temptations come from our own desires, the Bible says. So don't blame the devil for your desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires, which are very ungodly, give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, see, sin is, is, like, a, 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 is like cancer. When, when, once you start letting sin into your life, it starts to grow. And it starts to block out the Holy Spirit when sin is allowed to grow. Look what it says. When it's allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So verse 16 tells us clearly, do not, don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, or the Father of lights, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us. How did he choose to give us birth? By giving us his true word. When you're born again, you're born again to the true word of God. Amen? And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Wow, imagine. We're God's prized possession. And you know, we don't always feel that way. Because we don't, we're not always on it with him. We're not always real with God. We're not always on it with God. We're not always living just for God. We've got to understand that we're, we're a work in progress. Amen? But we're his prized possession. Listening and doing. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get 
angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Now look what it says in verse 21. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. So that means we come to God. That means we got filth and evil in our lives. Can we sit here and admit that? Can we actually sit here and say, I still have filth and evil in my life? You should be able to admit that because then you don't need Jesus if you don't. It says, get rid of all filth and evil in your life and humbly. takes a humble human being to accept the word that God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your soul. It's not anything else but the words of God that have the power to save your soul. Amen? No person, no somebody trying to teach you. It's the words of God. Okay? That's what the most important things are. And if you don't know the words of God, I suggest that you learn what they are so you can what? So you're not deceived. Amen? And you don't listen to people. You listen to the words of God. And that's what we're all about here. It has the power to save your souls. People can't save us. But don't just listen to God's word. Look at verse 22. You must do what it says. Why just listening to the word of God does nothing for you? It says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. You can come to Bible study, hear the words of God, listen to them all day long, and don't do what they tell you to do. You're only fooling yourselves. So if you listen to the word and don't obey what it's telling you to do, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. That's like going in the mirror, see this big stain on a, a booger or something, right? <laughs> and you see it, and you leave it there, and you walk away. You see the stain of your actions and your sins. You see them, and you walk away with them. That's what it's saying. See what it says? Look. It's like you see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. Or like if you had mustard on your face, you'd wipe it off, right? So he's saying take an evaluation of your life and see what's still tripping you up, what sins are there. Don't just walk away from it, deal with it, and get rid of them. But if you look carefully into the perfect law or the perfect word that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. How many want blessings from God? But do you see the conditions attached to it? You can't just hear the word. You have to do what it says. Or you're only fooling yourself. Now look at verse 26. If you claim to be religious and don't control your tongue, you're only fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows or caring for people. That's what it's saying. You have a heart of love. You care for people now. Amen? Listen. And widows in their distress. And look what the other thing says. And refusing to let the world corrupt you. You go out there and you know it as well as I do. The world is constantly trying to corrupt us. And if you miss Bible studies and services and stop reading the Bible, the world corrupts you. And you end up falling prey to the devil. Sin gets into your life again and it takes hold of you. And the Holy Spirit gets drowned out. And you start living a sinful life and then coming to church living in sin. But don't get me wrong. God will, God will take care of that. Okay, that was a great scripture, Mary. Thank you for that.
I think you only went to 15, but we went to 20. We went to the Lord. Oh, that's because that's important. You have to keep the context of what we're reading. And he's talking to all of us. Amen. All right, let's go to John chapter 11. Remember, we left off in verse 52, right? But we're going to go back to 45 and talk, read, read it down. The plot to kill Jesus. This is getting real interesting with Jesus raising Lazarus. And we go into chapter 12. The Pharisees want to kill Lazarus too. Because he was a faithful follower of Christ. And he did nothing wrong. They wanted to kill him too. How, they, he, Jesus just brought him back to life and they want to kill him. This is how bad religious people are. And Pharisees are. And people that think they know the Bible in and out. They're Pharisees. And what? They kill the words of God. Look at verse 45. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the leading priests and Pharisees called the high council, or the Sanhedrin, together. What are we going to do? They asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. So they knew who he was. They couldn't deny it because they've seen it. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple or our, or, or our place and our nation. Caiaphas. So this is what you have to understand. There's people that get wrapped up with teaching the wrong stuff and they're afraid to come out of it and say, oh, we've been teaching you a lie. Yeah. So and they keep keep it going, even churches, denominations and everything. They know it's a lie because it's not in the Bible and they still keep doing it to save face because they don't want people to leave. So they'll keep lying. But one thing you know here, we don't practice any denominational ties. We just read the Bible, amen? We don't cheat or deceive anybody here. And when the, when the truth is, comes out and they do something wrong, they should admit it and go in the right direction. Or else they're shipwrecking souls. Churches are. Teaching false doctrine and doctrines of demons. But they won't say it because they don't want to what? They don't want people, they don't want people to go to Jesus. Wait a minute. I can't have the people go to Jesus. I need them to come to me. I'm the pastor. I'm Jesus here. This is what they do. And they lead people into their into their agenda instead of leading them to Jesus. Which don't worry, once you teach people about Jesus, they're not going to get rid of the pastor because he taught them. Amen, right? Yeah. You know I never lead you to me. I can't fit. I can't help you. Trust me. It's only him. I'm only giving you the words that come from the Bible. Amen? Yeah. Don't ever exalt me above this cross. Ever. And don't ever exalt anybody else above the words of God. Amen? Yeah. Now look what it says. Verse 49. Caiaphas, who was the high priest at that time, said, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. He did not say on this on his own, right? As high priest at that time, he was led to prophesy that Jesus would die for the entire nation. See, he didn't even know he was prophesying. And not only for that nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God 
scattered around the world. Amen? That's us. He brought us all together. So look at verse 53. So from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. Do you realize the very people, the very God that they worshipped and said they loved, they were plotting to kill him. The God that they said they knew and loved. As a result, Jesus stopped his public ministry among the people and left Jerusalem. He went to a place near the wilderness, the village of Ephraim, and stayed there with his disciples. It was now almost time for the Jewish Passover celebration, and many people from all over the country arrived in Jerusalem seven, several, day er, several days early so they could go through the purification ceremony before Passover began. They kept looking for Jesus, but as they stood around in the temple, they said to each other, What do you think? He won't come for Passover, will he? Meanwhile, the leading priests and Pharisees had publicly ordered that anyone seeing Jesus must report it immediately so they could arrest him. Imagine the very God that healed them. They wanted to arrest him and kill him. How about the very God that saved you? How many times do you persecute him and turn your back on him? It saved you. Don't think that we do any different than they do. We turn our backs on Jesus all the time and live our own way and think we know more than him. Only Jesus knows, amen? He knows more than we'll ever know or ever will know. That's why we have to depend on him daily, amen? Okay. I'm going to just, from verse 45, um, chapter, uh, 45 to 53, even when confronted point blank with the power of Jesus' deity, some refused to believe it. These eyewitnesses not only rejected Jesus, they plotted his murder. Okay? They were, all, they were so hardened that they preferred to reject God's Son rather than admit that they were wrong. There's churches that do that. They preferred closure instead of being open to God's marvelous power. Beware of pride. Spiritual pride. Thinking you know more than God or the words of God. Look what it says. They were so hardened. They preferred closure instead of being open to his power. Let me tell you something. If we beware of pride, if we allow it to grow, it can lead us into enormous sin. You hear me? Enormous sin, pride. Thinking that you know better than what I'm teaching in here or anybody else here. Amen? Thinking you know better than them. That's pride. It's an enormous sin. The Jewish leaders knew that if they didn't stop Jesus, the Romans would lash out against all of them. Rome gave partial freedom to the Jews as long as they were quiet and obedient. Okay? Jesus' miracles often caused a disturbance. Okay? The leaders feared that Rome's displeasure would bring additional hardship to their nation. John regarded Caiaphas' statement as a prophecy. As high priest, Caiaphas was used by God to explain Jesus' death even though Caiaphas didn't realize what he was doing. Amen? God uses people that don't believe to get his point across. He does. You don't even know it. That's awesome. 
All right, let's go to chapter 12. Uh, we're going to really enjoy chapter 12. Um, as I was studying this, I'm saying, wow, this is a powerful chapter. Okay. Let me get it going here. Boy, I tell you, I feel better already. Whenever I preach, whenever, listen, whenever I trust God, I always feel better. Whenever I trust what, the way I feel or the way I think, I always don't feel good. But when I trust God, I always feel better. Amen? Because He blesses me. He knows my eyes. I'm trusting Him. What am I going to do? What else am I going to turn to? Jesus said, are you going to leave me too? He says, well, who, you're the, where are we going to go? You're the only one that has the words of eternal life. We know that you're the Son of God. We believe you. Amen? I'll tell you what. I'm going to trust this word system for the rest of my life over the world system. Because the world can't fix me. Jesus is the one who created all this. Don't you think he has enough power to fix us? But you have to believe that, though. See? If you don't believe it, then it won't happen. If you believe it, it will happen. He knows what's in your mind and what's in your heart. If you really believe it, you will receive it. The power, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I happen to believe it. And I hope you do too. I don't think you'd be sitting here if you didn't. <laughs> right? All right, look at verse tw uh, John 12, verse 1. We're going to read some of this down and then we're going to um, expand on it a little bit. Let's read some of the context first. Jesus anointed at Bethany six days before the Passover celebration began. Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. Remember that guy? Okay. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. That must have been an awesome reunion, ain't it? Lazarus alive again, Jesus, all family together. She's really showing how much he loved everybody, Jesus. How he enjoyed how family, how important family really is. People take for granted family. Family is very important, especially our church family. Amen? Amen? A dinner was prepared. Verse 3. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. And she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said that perfume was worth a, a year's wages, or in the Greek, worth 300 denarii. A denarius was equivalent to a laborer's full day's wage. Okay? It should have been sold in the money given to the poor. Imagine. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. Okay. Judas walked with Jesus and he was a thief. Okay. So don't think people don't come to church that are Judases. There are. There's plenty of them here in church. Everybody thinks because people come to church they're all believers in Christ. Now, there's a lot of deceivers out there to come just to sow discord and disrupt churches instead of being in unity with them and what? Building each other up. They cause division and discord. And if anybody does here, believe me, you're going to get rebuked by me severely. 
Amen? If you cause any division or discord in this church, it's going to come out. Amen? It should have been sold and given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Just imagine what kind of conscience the dude had. Walking with Jesus, God himself, and pocketing money right in front of Jesus. Robbing him to his face. Just imagine how seared your conscience can be. He often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. See, it was a sign. And look at verse 8. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. There's people in the world today that think they're going to fix poverty. Jesus said you'll always have the poor. They'll always be poor. It cannot be fixed. It'll always be here. There will always be poor people. And look what it says. <laughs> but you'll not always have me. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, verse 9, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. Listen what they said. They decided to kill him. You're talking about godly priests, men of God. They decided to kill Lazarus, the guy that Jesus rose. This is how ugly religion is. They killed religion and denominations kill Jesus all the time. That's what they do. They made man-made rituals as commandments of God. You gotta join this, you gotta do this, you gotta have this, you gotta do that, you gotta do this. Instead of saying, no, you gotta have Jesus and read your Bible. That's what you need. Forget the denominations, not one in the Bible. You ever seen one? No. That's man made. And that's why it's a deception from the devil. Don't buy into it. Amen? Look what it says. <laughs> Then they decide to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him. Look at verse 11. It was because of him that many of the people had deserted them or had deserted their traditions and believed in Jesus. All right, before we go any further, I want to expand on that a little bit. All right, they say in Lazarus, his testimony was bringing people to Jesus. His living example and they said, we got to get rid of him because he's a living example of Jesus. We've got to kill him. We've got to kill all loose ends. And there's people in churches today that try to kill off people that live right and honor God and live like the devil and try to kill off the real believers that want to live for Jesus. Amen? They call them legalists. And try to kill them off. Because a, a Christian that's living a sinful life will hate a believer that's living a righteous life. Can I get an amen for that? And we're not going to let that happen here. If we want to live godly, righteous lives that represent Jesus Christ, amen? And if you don't want to do that, you're in the wrong place. We're killing off sin and living in the sun now, amen? And if you don't want to kill off your sin, you're definitely in the wrong place because we're trying to kill it every day here. We're trying to kill off our sin nature and live in a new nature. And change. It's called repentance and change and transformation. 
That's what it's all about. And becoming like Jesus. We don't come here to play church. We come here to grow and change. If you, don't, if you think you already arrived, then you don't, you're closed-minded and you don't need to change. You're like a Pharisee. I don't need this. I already know it all. God will, don't worry. God will take care of that. All right. Okay, let's go into the study, okay? Essence of Nod in, in verse 3 was a fragrant ointment imported from the mountains of India, okay? Thus, it was very expensive, okay? The amount Mary used was worth a year's wages. Judas often dipped into the disciples' money bag for his own use. Imagine people robbing church, dipping into the money, and stealing from God. And people do it today. Dipped into the disciples' money bag for his own use. Jesus would have known, look, Jesus would have known what Judas was doing, right? But he never did or said anything about it. You think Jesus didn't know what he was doing? Don't think that God doesn't know what you're doing. He knows what you're doing, and he will. But listen, there's a lot, of, there's a lot to glean here. But he never said anything about it. Similarly, when we choose the way of sin, listen to me now, God may not immediately do anything to stop us, but this does not mean he approves <clears throat> of our actions. What we deserve will come. Don't think you're going to get away with sin. Okay? Can I get an amen for that? Look, he gives you room to stop doing it. It will find you out eventually, and it will get exposed. God is good with that. He approves. Look, look, Judas, look at in, in, verse, in, in verses 5 and 6, Judas used a pious phrase to hide his true motives. But Jesus knew what was in his heart. Judas's life had become a lie. And the devil was gaining more and more control over him. Listen to me. If you're starting to lie again, the devil is going to gain control of you again. And I'm just warning you. Fair warning. Lies are not from God. Satan is the father of lies. If you come to church full of lies, okay, it is going to come and bite you. Listen now. This is crazy. But Jesus knew it was in his heart. It had become a lie. The devil was gaining more and more control over him. The more you lie, the more the devil gains control over you. Can I get an amen for that? The Bible goes, I'm going to read it in Revelation. He says, those who want to live a lie, come to church living a lie, believe me, you're not going to heaven. Because if Satan's the father of lies, how can you say you got Jesus? If the father of lies is controlling you. The devil's controlling you. You don't have Jesus. You can't keep lying. And a lying character opens the door to his influence. People don't think that. Jesus' knowledge of us should make us want to keep our actions consistent with our words. Because we have nothing to fear with him, we should have nothing to hide. In, ver in, in verse 7 and 8, this act and Jesus' response to it did not teach us to ignore the poor so we can spend money extravagantly for Christ. This was a unique act for a specific occasion. An anointing that anticipated Jesus' burial and a public declaration of faith in him as Messiah. 
We don't use that as an excuse, okay? That's what it's saying. Jesus' word should have taught Judas a valuable lesson about the worth of money. Unfortunately, Judas did not take heed. Soon he would sell his master's life for 30 pieces of silver. How many, how many times do you sell out to Jesus? For your own sin. It's not just money. It's for your own sins. You sell them out. Wow. It's a real church. No, we don't want that here. We don't want to sell out Jesus to live our way. No, we want to exalt him and live a new way. And the only way that's going to happen is if we obey what he's telling us to do. We don't want people living a lie here. We want people to love the Lord, right? And fear, listen, if you're living a lie, that means you have no fear of God. No fear of God. And that's a dangerous place. If you do not fear God and live a lie, you're in trouble. Big trouble. If you're living a lie and have no fear of God, he's a, the, Satan is the father of lies. And don't think because you come to church and you're still lying and living a lie that you're going to heaven. It ain't happening. It's not happening. You're rejecting Jesus Christ. If he saved you, your life of lies will end. Because you have a new nature. The nature of God. Amen? You don't want to lie to people. You want to be honest and upright. Because when you lie, you have to keep covering it. And keep covering it. And keep covering it. So now you're living back here again. That, there's no new life in you. You're living a lie. You're rejecting Jesus. Can I get an amen for that? How many of us want to live the in the truth? The truth is God's word. Living a lie is rejecting God's word. It's all simple. Don't think because you come to church and read your Bible and live a lie that God says, oh, I'm going to give you a pass because you love me. It doesn't work that way. So turn from it before you get in trouble. Amen, that's all. I mean, there's nothing I can do. If you want to live that way, it's up to you. But that's, it's a heavy thing to do. Coming to church, living a lie and a deception. Coming day in and day out. And that's why you're miserable. Because you can't live in the truth. You, you can't live in the light. You're going to live a lie. So you come to church with so much burdens all the time. Because you can't just come clean. Jesus forgives us. He wants us to bring it to the light so we don't have to keep doing it. And he gives us plenty of time. Thank God for his grace and mercy. Ain't it? He says, you know, I know that you had a lie your whole life to get through life. But now you don't have to do that anymore. I give you a new life. And you can live in honesty now and freedom from that life. Because we know it as well as I do. To live in this world, you have to lie, cheat, and steal. To get anywhere in this world. Living an honest life in this world is going to cause problems. You're going to get rejected. That's all right. I'd rather get rejected than, you know, live a lie. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? Okay. Where did we end off? I think we stopped at, uh, the, um, uh, let's go to verse 11. They wanted to kill, they put a hit on Lazarus. Just imagine Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and the religious man put, put a hit on him. The pharmaceutical mafia. <clears throat> he put a hit on Lazarus. Godly men. Hey, 
Godly men put a hit on Lazarus. Men of God. They might want to kill this preacher because he's telling the truth here in the Bible. They might try to kill me. That's okay. He's going to protect me. That's what you'll get. You'll get, ah, that church. You don't want to go there. Nope. They tell the truth there. Let me go to a church that, that tells lies to get money. Maybe I can grow that way. All right. Now look what it says in verse 12. The next day, the news that Jesus was on, his way, on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him and shouted, Praise God! Greek, Hosanna! An exclamation of praise adapted from a Hebrew expression that means save now. That's what it means. Hosanna means save now. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Psalms 118.25-26 and Zephaniah 3.15. Jesus found... That's where they got Palm Sunday, by the way. You know that, right? That's where they got Palm Sunday from. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Greek, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. Zechariah 9.9, prophecy fulfilled. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. You see it? It came back to their minds, the scriptures. Oh, that's right. It said that Jesus was going to come in riding on a donkey. They got refreshed. Look at verse 17. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others, or were testifying about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone, Greek, the world, has gone after him. See it? They were so, they didn't know what to do. So if we don't kill him, they're going to take him from us, our religion, and follow him. And we're all done. We're not going to get any money anymore or get a following anymore. So they had to kill him. So before we keep going, I just want to expand on them scriptures right there, okay? Let's go back. Okay. Okay, in verse 13, okay, Jesus began his, his last week on earth by riding into Jerusalem on a donkey under a canopy of palm branches with crowds hailing him as their king. To announce that he was indeed the Messiah, Jesus chose a time when all Israel would be gathered at Jerusalem, okay? A place where huge crowds could see him and a way of proclaiming his mission that was unmistakable. On Palm Sunday, we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem as Lord of Lords and the King of Peace. The people who were praising God for giving them a king had the wrong idea about Jesus. 
Okay? They were sure he would be a national leader who would restore their nation to its former glory, and thus they were deaf to the words of their prophets and blind to Jesus' real mission. When it became apparent that Jesus was not going to fulfill their hopes, many people turned against him. How many people say that the president is going to fix this, that he's going to take care of it all? See, instead of going to Jesus. You see, look what they said. They had the wrong idea about Jesus. They were sure there would be a national leader who would restore their nation to its former glory. Isn't that what they just went through with this election? They thought that one man was going to restore this nation to its former glory, and no man can do it. And everybody was putting their faith in him, and God said, out he comes. Out he comes. You think it's him that's going to restore this nation? He's gone. Now I'm going to give you somebody that can't do it, and now you're going to suffer for it till you find me. That was God chastening us Christians, thinking that one man was going to make this country great again. There's only one king that can make this country great again, and it's King Jesus. Till we restore him back to this country and live by the principles of the Bible, will this nation ever become great again? Because he's the one who restored it. And he's the one who gave us this nation. And people are trying to take him out. He's the only one that can do it. And Christians were dependent on a man. To think that he was going to do it. And God says you ain't getting him. He's out. I'm king. Not him. Now where is he? Gone. Because he couldn't fix it. Nobody can fix this problem. As a matter of fact, it's going to get worse. Till the king of kings and lord of lords comes back. Even Christians were putting their faith in a man. Say, oh boy, if he doesn't get in, oh, we're in trouble. Really? Jesus is the only one. God gave us an eye opener, didn't he? Because we were. We were counting on somebody else. And people had the wrong idea. Now let's just keep going here. We're almost done. The people who were praising God for giving them a king had the wrong idea about Jesus. They were sure he would be a national leader who would restore their nation to its former glory. And thus they were deaf to the words of their prophets and blind to Jesus' real mission. When it became apparent that Jesus was not going to fulfill their hopes... Many people turned against him. After Jesus' resurrection, verse 16, the disciples understood for the first time many of the prophecies that they had missed along the way. Jesus' words and actions took on new meaning and made more sense. In retrospect, the disciples saw how Jesus had led them into a deeper and better understanding of his truth. Stop now and think about the events in your life leading up to where you are now. Okay? How has God led you to this point? As you grow older, you will look back and see God's involvement more clearly than you do now. Now get an amen for that. In verse 18, the people flocked to Jesus because they had heard about his great miracles in raising Lazarus from the dead. Their adoration was short-lived and their commitment shallow. For in a few days, they would not do nothing to stop his crucifixion. 
Devotion based only on curiosity or popularity fades quickly. In verse 20 to 21, the Greeks probably had were converts to the Jew, new Jewish faith. They may have gone to Philip because he was a Jew. He had a Greek name. This was a beautiful picture of the necessary sacrifice of Jesus. Unless a kernel of... Uh, oh, you know what? I don't want to get ahead of myself. Go back. Okay. Go to... um. Before we close, we're going to keep you a few minutes here. Verse 23. I'll back to, um, to 20. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. Look at verse 24. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. You see it? Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. You want to be honored by God? Serve God. Stop serving yourself. Serve God. Amen? He'll take care of you. All right, we're going to stop there. Thank you for letting me share that. And we will um, pick up with um, verse um, 27 when we get together again. All right, we're going to play a song and we're going to close. I hope everybody feels better. Oh,
Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Till we meet again. God bless. Peace.